You know you got to sing along. Don't you know? This is the Katniss HR Podcast, hosted by Jason Katniss. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners, founders, and people in tech startups in HR. If you fall into one of these categories or are just curious about them, then this is the podcast for you. You will gain great insights from these great conversations. The Cabinet's HR Podcast is brought to you by Cabinet's HR. At Cabinet's HR, we deliver HR to companies with 49 or fewer people by automating the HR process. We believe that you don't need a full-time HR person to receive full-time HR expertise. Hello, and welcome to the Cabinet's HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cabinet's. Our guest today is Joe Scalise. Joe, are you ready to be great today? Absolutely. Joe is a founder and co-owner of VRHQ LLC, which stands for Virtual Reality Headquarters, a virtual reality arcade in Rennersville, Ohio. Joe is also soon to be the co-founder and co-owner of VRIQ LLC, which is a startup company dedicated to blending VR, AR, XR technologies into schools and education. Joe's current mission is to raise the bar in education by using VR, AR, XR technologies to give students exciting hands-on ways to explore educational subjects mixed with emotion and the gamification of learning. His goal is to use these tools to increase participation, engagement, retention, problem-solving, and emotional awareness in students. The coming fourth industrial revolution will change the landscape of the job market forever. Joe's overall vision is to prepare students for the coming merger of AI, robotics, and humans in the, in the, the workplace of the future. Joe, that's quite a bit you got going on right there. <laughs> it sure is. So what are, what are you focused on right now? What's keeping you busy? So what's keeping me busy the most right now is working on virtual reality, augmented reality, and extended reality in education. So our primary goal is to start to incorporate VR into the classroom and have students start to learn this way. Um, that way they can have hands-on experience and it just makes people learn so much faster when they can have kinesthetic hands-on learning. Joe, is education ready for this? Is like the education establishment, the, you know, you know, you know, the bureaucrats, the people have been there forever. Are they ready for this? Absolutely not. They are not ready for this. Um, I don't think the world is ready for the coming industrial revolution, the fourth industrial revolution, which is the merger of artificial intelligence, robotics, and the human mind. I really just don't feel that anyone is quite well. A very small percentage of people are ready for this type of changeover. Um, schools are very reluctant to buy new technology. Cutting edge technology is often very expensive. And if it's not something that pans out long term, schools potentially waste a lot of money trying to stay current on cutting edge tech. So they stay away from it. Why, why do you think the average American or average person across the world is, will say, scared of, of AR, VR? Did, did you say scared of? Yeah, scared of it. Um, I don't think they're scared of it. I think that um, people haven't experienced it yet and they don't understand, number one, how cool it is. And number two, the, the benefit that we're going to be able to get out of it. There's so many ways that we are going to be able to use virtual and augmented reality in our communities as a benefit to everyone. So I just think it's an unawareness as, as opposed to a fear. 
Yeah, I recently told went to like a, a ARVR networking meetup like a month ago, and they had a setup where how the ARVRs can help disabled people get around better. And I thought it was pretty cool. So there's a lot, definitely a lot of potential to make people's lives better. I think. Absolutely, and remote jobs as well. People will be able to do work from a distance much easier. So, Joe, what is ARVR XR? What what is it really? So, virtual reality is when you wear a head-mounted display. And it is there's screens inside that cover your eyes and it's capable of simulating a virtual environment that your mind believes as real, uh, at least real enough to interact with. It's not going to completely fool you, of course. Um, so then augmented reality is when you wear clear glasses that allow, allow you to see into this world. But there's a projector inside of those glasses that can project images onto the lens, which will fool your eye into believing digital elements are then real. For example, I saw a couple of guys wearing VR glasses and they were playing a game where they were fighting a dragon that was flying in the room. Now, obviously the dragon was not flying in the room, but these guys could both see it and react to it in real time with those augmented glasses. Um, and then extended reality or XR is any kind of periphery that is going to allow someone to feel more than uh, just the visual and the audio. So um, haptic feedback is the biggest one. Uh, haptic or tactile feedback is when there's a vibration that corresponds to something that happens in the simulation that you're running. Um, for example, we have uh, a, an, a, it's a suit, a tactile suit, that when somebody is playing one of our shooter games, if you get shot, you'll actually get a vibration where you were hit, front or back. Um, and so that would bring virtual reality into what's called extended reality because now the body's involved. Joe, do you think there'll ever be a, t a time when like all Americans, all, all, all people in the world are, are involved in ARVR? Like, do you see a future where like 80% of us are walking around with these headsets on our, on our thing? Or do you see like a more subtle takeover for ARVR XR? Um, so it's absolutely going to replace your smartphone or at least be a, um, a tethered device to a smartphone. So you're going to have a heads up display essentially with augmented reality. You'll always be looking into this world, but text messages, maps, everything else can be superimposed on top of that, that screen. So it's just going to be a heads up display. Sorry, I bumped my microphone. It's going to be a heads up display for folks and it's going to make things very convenient. So I do believe it will be something that takes over. So besides convenience, how do you think AR, VR, XR is going to improve the life of the, of the average person? Um, so medicine is going to be a, a really big way. Um, the tactile feedback I was just talking about, where you can actually get a tactile response to something that you're doing, um, that's going to give doctors the ability to use robots to do surgeries while they are anywhere in the world. Um, they're going to be able to actually still feel their patient's on their fingers as they work on them remotely. Um, there's going to be all types uh, of ways to change the community. So education is such a big one. Um, we're bringing groups to, we have an arcade, but we did just start VR IQ. So uh, the, in, in, in your introduction of me, I had put that I'm the, uh, the, the soon to be founder, but it's actually already underway and we have a contract. We're going to be bringing, uh, small groups of children here specifically to learn STEM material. So these are kids that are going to get enriched education 
from having the uh, VR uh, accessible. Um, and another initiative that we're working on right now is long-term care and hospice. So there's a lot of folks out there that are looking at the same four walls every single day and they're alive. They want to have experiences. They want to go and do things, but they're limited and they can't. So we can actually go in and bring these experiences to them. So, so many ways to help the community. Joe, so how are you convincing educators to to jump on board with what you're doing and how hard has that been for you? So to be honest, it's difficult to engage them in a meeting, to get them to actually commit to a meeting. Once they commit to a meeting, I bring my gear and I actually put them into VR and show them the educational applications that we're working with. And it's such a mind blowing event for them that it's, it's just apparent that they want their students to learn this way. I went to go see a superintendent and I used a program where you can build 3D models in virtual reality. And I told him, I said, today, you're going to build us a snowman. And he immediately said, I've never been in VR. I don't know anything about this. And I can't. And I said, trust me, you're going to do it. Trust me, it's going to be easy. And we put him in there. Within 10 minutes, he had a snowman and he said, the kids are going to just take to this so much faster than I am. I can't believe what you can do in here. That's great. Yeah, so it's really going to take off. I know that um, it, the, the hard part is I, I spoke a little bit ago as to the they don't like to buy cutting edge technology in schools. Um, some cutting edge technologies never get adopted. It's a great idea. Everybody thinks it's going to be awesome. It comes out and then it kind of goes to the wayside. Um, and so they're very afraid to spend top dollar on things that might sit on a shelf. So they wait a little while to see technology that's more tried and true before they really start to get gung ho about it. So being someone who's trying to educate them as to what's on the cutting edge of this field, it's, it's kind of difficult to get them to want to get on board. So, um, we're trying to find ways so that we can assist them with their budget. If they don't want to buy the hardware and that makes sense. So we are trying to buy the hardware so that we can bring it to multiple schools. That way we can lower the cost for each individual school and make it affordable for all the schools. And then they can still get some of that experience with the cutting edge tech as as they make decisions moving forward as to what they want to incorporate and bring into their classrooms. Joe, is there a certain grade level you're trying to target or is it like, is like kindergarten to 12th grade or is there a certain grade you want to target with this? So personally, myself, I would like to target around sixth grade all the way up to you know 12th grade and beyond. Um, now, they do have things for kids younger than that, K through five. And I'm excited about that, too, because we need to get kids learning this way as soon as possible. However, there aren't enough tests done yet as, uh, to speak on what's going to happen to eyes. Right. If we get young eyes inside of headsets and they're focusing on these screens all the time, is that going to hurt the development of their eyes? And so there's we're waiting on tests and there's there's a lot of people that are starting to do these tests. When we find out more definitive information about how long they can stay in VR without doing any damage, um, those kind of things. Uh, that's when our company will move forward more with younger kids. Joe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I have to think like, so you have a class of eighth graders, you know, some of them A students, some, some of them not doing so well, some of them like, having difficulty learning, all kind of different learning abilities. I would think the AR, VR would be like, it would kind of equalize everything, wouldn't it? 
I, absolutely. That's how I feel. And the biggest part of that is I think the kids that don't do so well are from lack of engagement. I, when I went to school, um, school was fairly boring for me. And it was really hard for me sometimes to keep my head in a book if I wasn't interested in the subject. And I think a lot of kids go through that. And then you've got some troublemakers and some kids that just have trouble concentrating in the first place. And now all of a sudden, we show up with some cutting edge tech and we all know how much kids love tech, right? So they're going to see right off the bat, oh my goodness, I get to do VR today. Now every kid in the room wants to participate. So we just got over the participation hurdle. Now we start teaching kids and they get excited. And once you're excited and you have enthusiasm, you can learn almost anything. And again, we're starting at the same point for everybody. So I absolutely feel like this is going to be an equalizer where we get everybody's attention. Yeah, I remember I said that that uh, networking thing last month, the ARVR thing. I took I put I put uh, the headset on, and I was like, I was actually on Mars. Of course, I wasn't on Mars, of course, but it just it was like, <laughs> here's this, here's like, like, wow, this is like incredible, right? As far as your brain was concerned, you were on Mars. Yes, yes, indeed. Yep, and with kids, you know, when once you get into that environment, um, you get so immersed and you get your you just get so uh excited about being in there that all of a sudden it's not important to try to pass notes in class you couldn't anyway you can't see the other kids next to you you can't look out the window the the lesson plan the things that you're working on and learning on are directly right in front of you so it really gets rid of distraction i mean i guess things something, something like a history class you know history is dates more dates some old people you know who did something but now you're, you're, you're actually there, like you're actually like George Washington or you're like a Roman emperor. Or you're, you're actually there doing it. And like, I just think the impact would be so great. You're going to remember it forever. And the, the, the next stage of this that I, I, we want to take on is to um, start creating our own content because I feel that blending emotion into this technology is going to be where we can really just hit the home run um, or even a grand slam. So. There was, I read a story about a kindergarten class and they had a uh, Google cardboard. It's just the ones that you put your phone in and you hold it up to your eyes. And there was a five minute little um, application about the rainforest. So the kids are in there, they're holding them up to their eyes. They're looking all around and they can see the trees and the monkeys and the birds. And all of a sudden the rainforest is no longer a word in a book. They're actually there. They feel it. They see it. They understand it. And the last minute of the application showed the total deforestation after humans went in and logged the whole thing out. And the kids were smart enough to immediately realize that all those animals just lost their home. And so they were sad and they were mad. And at that point, they put all of the VR away and they went back to traditional learning. But every single child was engaged because they cared about the rainforest and they wanted to know why you did that to the monkeys and the birds. Yeah. And these are kindergartners. We can start to raise a generation of empathetic people that are also much smarter. Especially like the potential, like your word, like for for like inner city urban schools, like in the most inner city schools, you know, they really don't see any trees. It's always concrete, you know, same environment. I just think this can open up a whole new world to them that they probably don't even know exists. Absolutely. And once you become connected to something, it just means so much more to you than a word in a book ever will. And so I really feel like we can reach kids on a whole new level and get them excited about learning. Joe, so changing the subjects a little bit, 
How did you become involved in tech and STEM? What's the background on that? Um, so I got into cryptocurrency and um, I was a big fan of crypto. Um, so we started a crypto farm and that was when it was still like all the rage during the uh, 2017 ramp up. And uh, so we started to get the, the equipment to start the farm. And I realized pretty quickly that we all the graphics cards that we were buying for these computers were also the graphics cards that were being used for virtual reality. And so I told my business partners, I said, hey, why don't we open up a virtual reality arcade? We can outfit all the computers to do both VR. And then when no one's there, we can flip them over to do cryptocurrency. And, you know, we could, if we don't have anyone come in for a day, instead of being a total loss, we might make 40, 50, 60 bucks. Right. And so it's, you know, it would basically help pay for the person sitting at the front desk all day. And, um, we thought it was a good idea. We, we, we started to get into it. It turns out that uh, banks and insurance companies don't really like cryptocurrency too much. So the, uh, <laughs> the insurance companies won't give you a general liability policy on a cryptocurrency company. So I can't bring in virtual currency if I want to have a general liability policy. And obviously at our arcade, I have people with headsets on that can no longer see the walls, the furniture, I, I have to have a, a general liability policy. So we had to give up on the cryptocurrency thing here. But uh, that's what led us here. And uh, the arcade led me to find out how fast kids learn in a virtual environment, even just with the games and the applications. They take to them so fast. It's just unbelievable. And we realized right away that this was just going to be a tool for learning. And I just really want to help. And I, I want to help as much as I can. And Joe, you're in like the Winnerville, Steubenville, Ohio area, right? Like working in West Virginia area? Absolutely. So I could be wrong, but that's not exactly like a hotbed for tech and startups, is it? <laughs> no, I think it's the exact opposite. I think it's the last place that gets any tech or anything cutting edge. So we've tried to change the game a little bit. So how hard has that been for you? Like, you know, like getting support, you know, are you like, do you go somewhere? I'm a tech company. Like, they're like, what's a tech company? Like, what are you talking about? You know, how has that been a negative or has it been a positive for you? Um, I, I've never thought about it. I, I bet it's kind of mixed. I, I bet some people are a little reluctant just because of the area. Um, the ones that try it are so blown away by it that, um, they, they really do feel lucky that there is something in town that's cutting edge and they do feel the same way I do. Like this is the last place that ever gets anything cool. So a lot of people are like, oh my God, we have something cool for a change. And so uh, there's been a lot of our customers that uh, like are, are big supporters. They come back often. Um, they tell all their friends. They're so excited just that we do have something like this in the area and you know, there's, you can't even really get something like this in Pittsburgh right now. Yeah. So, um, we always talk about how it's a small world. So I actually have family in Steubenville, Ohio and we're in Virginia. And actually when my family immigrated from Italy, like however many generations ago, that's where they settled at. So, you know, it's just a very small world. So shout out to my family in um, that area. Yeah, that's cool. Same here. Um, yeah, the, there was, of course, you know, back the, back then when people were immigrating, uh, you know, my grandparents, everything was ghettos. Everybody went to where they where where the language was spoken. So all the Italians went where everybody spoke Italian and same thing. So my family was in the Italian area of town and um, 
my dad actually moved out to Las Vegas. So that's where I was born. But uh, I've lived here most of my life and all my family's from here, too. Joe, so what's your master plan or your vision for your company? Is it have an AR set on every American and within 10 years or what is your plan? Um, so my plan is to get this into schools. We still have plans for our arcade and, you know, as a business owner and an entrepreneur, um, I, I love my arcade and it's really important to me and I want to see it grow and flourish. Um, but ever since we have gone down the road of education, just everything else seems to pale in comparison. There's nothing that I'm fired up like this, that like the education, um, it has to happen in my opinion, we're looking at a world in, um, in 10 years. I feel a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this. I really feel like we're heading for a world with very few jobs. Um, robots and artificial intelligence are absolutely going to take jobs from people. Um, I tried to give people an example of, um, you know, they have x-ray technicians that scan x-rays to look for cancer in people. And so you get an x-ray technician and he's going to look at your x-ray, but, um, he's going to be limited to the amount of x-rays he's seen in his schooling. And that's the total experience he has. Now they're, they're doing machine learning where artificial intelligence is starting to doing this, to do the same thing. And now it scans databases of millions upon millions of confirmed cases of cancer to know exactly what it's looking for and make a diagnosis. And so whenever an x-ray is going to be produced, it's going to go directly to the AI that's going to give a much higher statistical analysis of the diagnosis that they're looking at. And so the problem doesn't become like, uh, you know, oh, we can save money by using an artificial intelligence and not hire, hiring a person. It becomes that the human cannot do the job as well as the artificial intelligence. So now hiring that artificial intelligence or, 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 or implementing it, I shouldn't say hire, implementing that artificial intelligence, it means two things. It means a higher rate of saving lives, but it also means a much higher rate of people losing jobs. And so there's going to be a, a really significant battle that goes on between do we want to do things that are very helpful, but can cut into jobs. And I can already, I don't want to go into them, but I can already think of about five or six different industries where I could personally remove millions of jobs from our economy through the use of artificial intelligence and robotics. And so that's the, the future that I am terrified of, that we're not going to have jobs. And so I feel that it is a dire importance that we raise a generation of engineers, scientists, robotics experts, artificial intelligence programmers, systems administrators. These have to be people that oversee entire systems because the individual jobs are going to be lost to artificial intelligence and robotics. And so that's what really is fueling my fire of getting education into the classroom so we can get kids falling in love with learning and seeking out the knowledge they, they need for whatever choices, you know, uh, vocational choices they make. Yes, that's a great point. It reminds me of the story like back when the model, the car first came out. And people were like, oh, my goodness, you know, all these people employed by horses are going to be out of a job. Yes, they'll be out of a job. But if they learn a new skill, they'll just transfer to another job. I think that's, that's what happens all the time. You got to be flexible and adaptable enough to, you know, and to learn a new skill. It does. The problem becomes that 
human beings are going to have a lot of trouble competing with artificial intelligence. And that is going to be the scary part of that. Uh, what jobs are we going to have to move into? So the second part is, and it's just what you said. We have to start thinking about a new secondary economy based on these technologies. Joe, how are you marketing your company? Like how are you getting the word out about it? Is this word of mouth? Do you have an actual marketing plan or are you relying on other people to do it for you? Um, so the, the initiatives that we're, we're willing to share with people, um, I'm sending emails out to anybody that'll take an email from me. Um, I'm looking for educators, administrators, um, anybody that works inside of a school system, um, home educators, anybody that can give me info on how to reach the brain of a child and improve it. We're going to need um, behavioral scientists to, to really figure out um, how we can make games trigger all portions of, of, or not games, but learning applications to trigger every part of a child's mind. Um, but as far as the marketing, we don't do too much other than Facebook right now, um, except for the emails that I'm personally sending out. Um, but I have a network now of probably about five or six different schools that are all exceptionally interested in working with us. And there's a county initiative in our county called the JCESC. It's um, an educational service center where they help to get all the schools in the district funding and grants and they assist with writing grants and stuff like that. Um, and they have money um, and they are actually the ones that are, are doing our after school program from October to May this, this coming year. So they want to help us market as well. They do a publication to 300 different small businesses. They want to make us the focus of it after we have some kids in here and we can get some pictures. Um, and then once I get some data from this program and I can start to say like, Hey, the kids grades, they're going up the kids particip participation in school. It's going up. Like we're getting the results we want. That's when we're really going to start trying to blast this thing across the country. And I do have a couple of companies, um, actually two major global corporations that I've, I've, I've actually got to network with and they're kind of waiting in the wings. If I can get a test project built uh, like a pilot program, then they're going to step in and help me get this thing across the country. Joe, can you share your social media for yourself and your company so people can reach out to you? Absolutely. You can find us at, uh, on Facebook at VRHQ and you can find us on our educational page on Facebook at VRHQ-EDU. And we'll, we'll have the links to, to all the social media on our show notes. And you can find our show notes at www.cabinetshlblog.com. Joe, we'll come to the end of our talk. Can you provide us any um, wisdom or advice on any subject you want to talk about? Get your kids ready for the next generation. If you've got kids, you cannot skimp on their education. You can't not pay attention to whether or not they did their math homework. They got to get A's. They, gotta, they have to fall in love with learning. So when I was a kid, my, my teachers told me that I couldn't use a calculator on my math tests because when I got older, I wasn't going to carry a calculator everywhere I went. However, they were exceptionally wrong about that, as I have a calculator in my pocket on my phone everywhere I go. And memorization can now be somewhat of a thing of the past. We don't have to focus on memorization like we did in the past because we all have Google in our pocket as well now. You can find facts if you want to research them. We have to create a generation of kids that are interested in finding knowledge 
interested in doing some research and able to say, hey, I don't know that. Let me pull my phone out of my pocket and ask Google because she's going to give me the answer. You know, it's, it's in a girl's voice in my, on my phone. That's why I said she. But Google's going to give me that answer. And that's the key. So raise a generation of kids that love seeking out the knowledge they need. So, Joe, what would you tell parents, you know, those parents out here like, oh, don't tell the kids, you know, you only get an hour of screen time or don't be on this device. So don't be do that with tech, you know, go play outside. I don't want to play outside as good. You need to do it. But I think there's people that are like, you know, so anti-tech, they don't your kids do anything with tech. What would be your message to those people? So. I personally believe the kids spend too much time with tech <laughs> and that's coming from a guy who's in tech. Um, when they get home, a lot of parents just give them a tablet or a phone and just let them have at it. And it's just to kind of distract them so that they're not in their hair all night. And my thing is, if you're going to give kids screen time, I understand they need enjoyment and some games, but there needs to be a lot more focus on what they're spending their screen time on. Make sure it's educational. I promise I've been doing a lot of research. There is tons of educational content out there that your kids could be doing. They can be building robots. They can be watching YouTube videos of every kind of learning there is. Um, So instead of just giving them the phone to let them be distracted, let them have the phone, but make sure they're learning something with it. Yes. Joe, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate you doing some, a lot of great things that hopefully will, will impact a lot of future generations. I truly hope so. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. And to our listeners, thank you for your time as well. And remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cabinet HR Podcast. Be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and TikTok at Cabinet HR. Also check out our weekly live streams at the Cabinet HR Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Periscope, where we focus each week on an HR topic important for small business. These are every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and last around three minutes. To join our weekly HR email newsletter list, send us an email to jasoncabinets at cabinetshr.com. Thank you, and remember to be great every day.